people of Earth, it's time to enter the spoilerverse via our secret portal at the exclusive Arctic Club in beautiful downtown Seattle with our hosts, John and Henrik and Jeff. Welcome to Spoiler Country. Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on Spoilerverse.com. But if you want to keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcaster, find Spoiler Country, and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways. You can call us and leave us a voicemail at 707-656-2080. Again, 707-656-2080. Or you can shoot us an email at SpoilerCountry at gmail.com. Armies of the Spoilerverse unite and welcome back to Spoiler Country. I am Steve the Robot filling in for Kenrick and John while they take the night off. And today on the show well it's Jason Sean Alexander, is not it? Kenrick and Jeff Big Haas got to sit down and chat with Jason about his artwork, his online covet convention and a lot more. He was really pretty awesome to have on the show and we hope to have him back sometime. Well enough of me yapping at you. I see a bottle of scotch over there and you should just sit back and listen to Jason in his own words. All right guys, we're back and today on the show, you know, there's a there's an option for a TV show for an amazing comic called Philadelphia. Maybe you're a big fan of that. I don't know. Maybe you really ramped up for Spawn 300 and you saw all the hype around it that it could be this cover, it could be that cover. What's going to be on the inside? Mm, I don't know. Maybe you were. But if you are one of those people that love that stuff, then you're on the right channel today because right now we have Jason Alexander. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Dude, so it's been a crazy year for you beyond the COVID. It's yes. <laughs> you are um, all over the place. Yes. I thought January, I thought I basically started the year doing the most hardest work and month that I was going to have. And everything would be coasting right from that point forward. Nope. <laughs> no, <clears throat> no. <laughs> that means you're super busy. Because for some reason, you didn't want to make any money and you became a comic book artist. So <laughs> that's a good thing. <laughs> so, Jason, you're from Portland, Tennessee. And I always got to ask because that's the unknown Portland. Yeah. You know, everybody goes, oh, you're from Portland. Which one? And they say which one, meaning Maine or Oregon. So how often do you get that uh, question? Hardly ever because I, I hardly ever tell the truth. That's so, funny. <laughs> I just tell people I'm I'm from a little town north of Nashville, and then uh, I gotcha. That's like me. I'm day. I'm from a little town that's west of Seattle called Bremerton, but we don't ever say Bremerton because no one knows what you're like. What are you talking about? You just, I just say I'm from Seattle. Right. There you go. <laughs> so how is everything going? What do you got in the pipeline today? Let's uh, get anything new out there for you. Oh, well, now I should have checked if I could actually have told you guys. uh, (laughs) You got secret stuff in the sauce. (laughs) Uh, We do. We absolutely do. We have a a surprise coming out at the in in issue seven of Philadelphia. Cool. 
And uh, Rodney and I have, have, we have greenlit two other projects, comic projects to work on together. Oh, awesome. And so that kind of stuff. Yeah. I just can't go into what those are. <laughs> I think that's enough, though. Just wet the whistle a little bit for people. I hope so. Yeah. So, Philadelphia TV show, man. How excited are you for this? It sounds amazing. I mean, I, I'm more just, I'm kind of, it's, it's funny. Like as you get older, you have yeah. maybe a different perspective. And now I'm just fascinated about what the process is going to look like. I would like to get into production and, and kind of start checking on that side, for, you know, for film and TV and all that kind of stuff. So it's, yeah. it's exciting to me. But all I can really kind of focus on is really the comic. So right. like, that's what you can control right now. Yeah. Yeah. How much input and in, do you have a lot of input into the writing as well, or just the storyboarding and then your storyboarding mixed with the writing can kind of converge? I really, I'm, I am a genuine fan of Rodney's scripts. And so I, I love the guy's words. Yeah. So I, I so when it, like I'm starting on issue eight right now a little bit late but i'll get there but it's right now that i'm getting to dive into the script and really just enjoy it if there's anything i kind of add to it is if there's something visual i can add to characters to kind of give them to kind of flesh them out a little bit more around the edges yeah and it's just pacing and storytelling things that we kind of combine (laughs) forces on but for the most part you know, I dig his words and then I just try to make those. <laughs> <laughs> you dig his words. I love that. Dude, you worked on Spawn for how many issues? Like 30 some issues? <laughs> I stopped at 26. 26. I was close. I was close. But you did the the now famous 300 issue, correct? I did. And what was that like? Because there was a lot of shrouded mystery around it online. There was, because I remember reading many an article, because I'm 45, so I remember when Spawn came out. I remember sitting in line waiting for it. I remember McFarlane's Spider-Man run. Uh, Amazing, I collected the Amazing Spider-Man when McFarlane was drawing it. Yeah. And then the Spider-Man. And then when he left to do Image and came out with Spawn, you know, it was a huge deal. And he lives in Vancouver, so a lot of, there is plenty of Spawn. You want to get a Spawn, number one, come to Seattle. Like every single comic book store here has like 20, 30 copies. And it's, but it's like one of the greatest anticipated comics of all time. And so I remember sitting in line waiting to get that book and then just ferociously reading it as it came out every month. And now it's up to over 300, which is crazy to me, you know, because Spider Man at that time was in the 300s and it felt like Spider Man came out a hundred years ago at that time. Now I'm looking at it. It's like the same amount of time. You know what I mean? So it's like, Oh my God, it makes me feel old. But at the same time is he's become such an iconic character. I got to know what was it like working with Todd and working on that book? That was, that was a dream come true. That was, I, I told him uh, Todd was the first guy I ever ate. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Like, did like you kind of fanboy out on him? I, Again, I'm kind of really thankful I got to meet him in my 40s. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I know what you mean, because if I think I would have met him in my 20s, I probably would have, like, blubbered and not been able to say anything and be, like, just stupid. You know what I mean? Until you realize that people are just people. (laughs) (laughs) 
But I, I did. I, I and I told him over the the couple of years that we were doing it together. But but yeah, he was the first guy that like. I mean the the dynamic. Like I loved all those guys. You know Lee and Liefeld and those guys. And yeah. It just seemed like everything just popped right off the page and it blew me away. And I was a fan of like Eisner and stuff like that. And so I like just the kind of more slightly cartoony, exaggerated stuff. But the, yeah, I thought when I was first asked to do Spawn, I thought I was, I thought I was being pranked. Uh, really? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jason, come on over. We want you to check this out. What do you think about doing Spawn? Shut up. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was from Todd. And I'm like, Fuck off. <laughs> oh, that and is I, awesome. <laughs> I even I even said it as I was typing. I was like, sure, I'll draw spawn. <laughs> and, that, and that's literally all I wrote. Oh <laughs> uh, how what are you thinking? Did he tell you what work you did that said, yeah, this is the guy I want to do this? I did I did another book through image called Empty Zone. Mm-hmm. And uh, Todd is obviously going to be more prone to to finding guys in image and right. you know those kind of guys. So, but yeah, he said he saw that, and the horror aspect of it was something that he wanted to bring. Like he wanted to really, at that point, start gearing everything toward the movie and like yeah, a horror a horror thing, right? So he's like, so cool. You're going to piss off a lot of fans. I'm like, awesome. That's, that's <laughs> But your artwork is so, so good, dude. You got so much detail in there and the, the work, your work with shadows and especially the black and white stuff that I'm seeing online. I, man I'm telling you, I knew who you were, but I didn't know your work. Like I do, like after looking through the stuff, knowing that you were coming on, you know what I mean? Cause you know, if somebody's coming on, you kind of deep dive more into what's going, what they're all about, what's going in. And it was like, it's dude, far and away. Some of your Batman stuff just blows me away. I was like, I, what? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I know Jeff has quite a few questions, so I'm going to let him take over and just kind of lead us down a path. All right, so my question I was going to ask, uh, or I had asked, is that if I re- read correctly, you became a father this year. That, how has that changed your life? I became a father for the second time this year. Ooh, that's awesome. <laughs> Very, Very cool. cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, it's funny, you think you have a kid, so like that part's going to be pretty much that. But no, the second one adds a whole different world. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> so what, it's absolutely exciting. Now I have a little boy and a little girl. Now, oh. has, it changed, has it changed your per, uh, perspective professionally? Because I thought what's interesting when I was reading Philadelphia is that Philadelphia has a very, very um, deep roots in of the father-son connection right now. Now that you're a, a father, you said you just had a son. Does, did that change how you approach Philadelphia or you got insights into it as a, the artist or part writing that um, was inspired by being uh, the father now? No, it just makes me work faster. It's <laughs> <laughs> it, like on a panic writing. Yeah. <laughs> Everything has to be double time now because I got to get home. I got to help with the kids. <laughs> well, I, I think it's interesting that, so you left Spawn to continue with Philadelphia because Philadelphia started in November. Um, you, you still were working on Spawn around that same time period, weren't you? Yeah, as a matter of fact, January is what I planned for my busiest month. Oh, pardon me. 
Yeah, January, I wound up doubling up. I did my last issue of Spawn and the first, and I finished the second issue of, no, second or third issue of Philadelphia in the same month. I always, I knew I was going to hand the baton over to, the, you know, Philadelphia. And so I, I had already told Todd, you know, a few issues out that I was going to take off. I just wanted to get like a good 25 issues under my belt. Now, when you work on something like Spawn, obviously that's a comic book that we've been around for 30 years. You know, there's a stability to Spawn that you know is going to continue. There's seems to be no end to Spawn as a series. Is there, did you feel a certain kind of pressure or nervousness of moving to um, focusing on Philadelphia that, you know, that may or may not have the same kind of guarantee that a Spawn comic book does? Oh, always. Anytime you're going to jump from a, you know, a franchise to a, you know, creator owned introductory thing, like, but it, you know, it's a huge, yeah, it's a scary leap, but uh, you know, I, it was two years on spawn and a lot of those fans, you know, came over and I started, you know, throwing out the idea of Philadelphia and, and like hinting at stuff. And it seemed like a lot of those guys were going to follow me, you know, onto other projects, that part. That part kind of, yeah. you know, gave me a little bit more confidence in the leap. But yeah, inevitably, I it's just the project. Like when I read the script, <laughs> like when Rodney would pitch it to me, I would still stop around the founding fathers part. Yeah, and I, I you know, and I'd still be like, what? I was like, all right, <laughs> all right. I was like, I, I believe it. I, I, okay, you know. And then I read the script, and I'm like, God damn it, it all works. <laughs> <laughs> And it works so well. I, you know, there was, I, I don't think I had another, I, I didn't have another option. I was like, I got to jump in uh, full bore on this. Now, when you're working with, with Ronnie Barnes, who, who was the writer, how, like, I think we asked a little bit, how is the creative process with you two? Because once again, uh, Mr. Uh, Ronnie Barnes is also a very strong writer. And as an artist, do you have say in the storyline? What was the question? Oh, um, in the storyline, I know, honestly, the creative process kind of goes with, he gives me a, a, a rough plot about what the whole arc is going to be. I say, that sounds awesome. And then he tends me the first script and I typically just call <laughs> or tell him that was awesome. And that was, <laughs> um, the only thing that like I've been catching certain things on lately are just little details, you know, just like, you know, this actually doesn't look this way. I'm going to have to draw this scene a certain other way, you know, just like, because this won't uh, work that way. Yeah. Like, you know, you, I get it. Like you're writing and you're, and you're going off the cuff, but then I have to wind up researching parts of Philadelphia and I'm like, Oh no, this building <laughs> is actually. <laughs> now, now with Philadelphia, it's such a, I mean, I was reading it. It's such a dark story. Once again, with vampires and like that. And, Reach in the complex relationship between the father and the son, and Spawn is such a dark character. Are you drawn to? Is it like you are drawn to horror stories, or because you your background, artists are writers are coming to you with ideas that tend to be horror? Like which is like is the chicken or the egg? Which one's coming first? I I'm drawn to it. I I I've, I didn't realize I was a predominantly a horror artist. I didn't. I I just because I I do a lot of fine art, and so. And it's definitely dark, but I wouldn't necessarily call it horror. But yeah, it, it, since uh, yeah, it's not like they're they're calling me up to draw X Men or anything like that. It tends to be mostly horror, dark 
kind of stuff. And I don't know. I love it. And I know it's not horror, but it goes back to like Will Eisner and that stuff. Like comics that can really evoke an emotion. Like, you know, a real emotional response. And I love heroic comics and I love that kind of stuff. And I can get choked up and, and really involved with them. But I like every panel to be tense. I want to keep the reader on the edge. Of, like, I'm, I'll study just storytelling because as much as I just want to draw the cool shit, I really <laughs> want to lead the reader as much as possible. Like, I want to make it as cinematic as an experience reading a comic. Like, uh, that's the part that really just turns me on and and horror tends to just give me more avenues well the other thing that was interesting about reading uh, philadelphia it feels like philadelphia definitely has some political overtones to it especially in the first issue where you're talking to with the preacher and the idea of fake news and things of that nature do you feel philadelphia is an allegory for politics on some level or is that kind of it's just or am i reading too much into it as it were <laughs> I I think there's a certain there's the level with politics that keeps the story grounded in reality where we can where it's fantastic with where it's fantastical with things like vampires but also you know it deals with uh, uh, class it deals with race and it's not these these things just as abstract thoughts these things are what we're dealing with you know every day. So I think it's something that's that it's timely, but I think it also helps keep the story grounded and uh, people kind of believing it more. Well, it's kind of interesting. A couple of years back, maybe going back uh, ten, maybe twelve years, I, I did an interview with a professor of comic books. I can't remember the university it was in Florida. The guy was um, a professor, and his uh, degree was in comic books. And what he said was, we had a discussion about zombies and vampires. What he said was, vampires are popular when the economy is strong. Zombies are popular when the economy is bad. And I kind of thought it was interesting in how vampires do function. And, fun, you know, I guess the idea of there's a fucking blood uh, draining others. And I was wondering if how you viewed the importance of, like, vampires in our culture and why your story does resonate right now. Because it does, it has proven popular. And after being a TV show, it's going to become even more popular. I like that allegory. I think we're actually the, we're the fish swimming upstream, though. I think, um, in a very bad economy, I think Philadelphia is with vampires. I think Rodney has found a way to make that play. What I've never seen with vampires in which and what they always kind of pull with zombies is more of a class differentiation. And he's actually pulled that off with vampires. <laughs> so this is a this is the disenfranchised. This is the people that have been forgotten. These are the people that have been stepped on. And now all of a sudden they've been given ultimate power. You know, and it's, you know, do they follow this other person or do they go crazy with it? And it's, yeah, I, I just, I get overwhelmed, like, with, I, I really think it's a remarkable series. <laughs> I think, like, and, I, and when you get to, like, break it down to politics and, and class warfare in a vampire book, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, and like I said, I think that's one of the things that I found that was very thrilling about is that it, like I said, you literally have it, it's like the president of Vampire, and I thought it was such a fascinating uh, storyline to go through. <laughs> it was. It was not only that, but then I mean, you know, I have to draw it. It has to be grounded. I have to try to make up, you know, some believable fake history. And then I go and look at John Adams. I'm like, all right, show me my 
my sexy vampire villain. (laughs) 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 And you see John Adams, who just looks like a white haired version of the penguin. And I was just like, Oh no. (laughs) So so it took some work to figure out how to pull him off. Well, I said, I think one thing thing that you also did was very cool is that at the back of um, the issue, one of the issues uh, you have your pages of your process of art from the early stage and then kind of like in, the, in your development of it, I thought that was such an incredibly cool thing to do for your fans. And I kind of was wondering what your thought process in doing that, like, was it trying to be like demonstrating how your art works? Was it supposed to be like inspire your artists? Or did you just think it'd be just damn cool for us to go, Oh damn, that's how it looks. You know, that's how it works. <laughs> All of it. I think much like with movies, I think it's, I think a lot of, People that are just kind of coming into comics, they don't have a, an understanding of how these things actually get made. So, I, you know, I kind of wanted to show that to new people. I, I've i always been inspired by when they, like, they used to do that with the old, they used to put the scripts back in the Sandman trade paperbacks. And I, I would love to see the scripts versus the pages. And I would love to see process. And as an artist, it always inspired me. So I think we all, I think on every level, we kind of all like making of stuff. And, and especially since it was through Philadelphia that I transitioned to digital art. And so it was interesting to show like figures in a new way and layers. And I think I'm also a little fascinated with the, with the process right now. It's still relatively new to me. Well, like the, that, that, that's really cool. I think of inspiration. Who, who, what artist did inspire you in, in, in your style? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> that's a long list. <laughs> we got some time. Um, I see a little Bernie writes it in there. Oh, absolutely. Like, let's take the, the category. You know, there's a couple of, you know, ink guys in, in fine art, like Rico Lebrun and, and those guys that I try to pull into it. There's Ralph Steadman easily. Anytime there's the manic inking happening. Yeah, the the shadow guys, you know, Kelly Jones, <laughs> Bernie Wrightson. Yeah, Kelly Jones was awesome. Uh, we, we just had him on. Oh, yeah, yeah, he was great. He stayed on for three hours. I would, I have to admit, I think I would actually still, I would fanboy over Kelly Jones. Oh, he's awesome. He's the nicest guy you'll ever meet. He really is. He's coming back yeah. on. We're gonna we're gonna do a conversation about the Universal monsters and why their movies were so important to pop culture. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, and then we're gonna do another show with him. Well, he's agreed to this, so hopefully it happens, fingers crossed. Hope I'm not shooting myself in the foot. Where we're going to take an issue of Dead Man from his run on, in DC, and we're going to do a DVD-style commentary track with it, where we're going to read the comic book page for page and go over with Kelly what he was thinking and why he did the things he did page for page. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So keep a lookout for that one. We could do that with Philadelphia. We'd love to do that with Philadelphia. <laughs> not even kidding we I'll get fall. you and rodney on and, and do a dvd commentary track with philadelphia we'd be all in oh there we go mm-hmm. but yeah. those pages oh. where it's like an army of vampires like, <laughs> oh, <shit."> <laughs> <laughs> hey i'm gonna interrupt you jeff hey did you take any influence from ben temple smith no Ben and I, I think we kind of came up around the same time. Yeah. Well, his that 30 Days a Night was so popular when he was drawing it. You know what I mean? He and I, he and I share very, a lot of the uh, same influences. Yeah. He's awesome. And uh, where I think at the time he was working, he 
he kind of started, it felt like he was doing some spawn stuff with Ashley Wood. Yeah. And I think he was pulling from there. And I was at the time working in a studio with Kent Williams and I was doing a lot of the more painty kind of stuff. There. Oh, nice. I'm actually purchasing Philadelphia number one on eBay right now. Cause I missed it. <laughs> I'm legit. I'm legit hitting confirm and pay for Philadelphia number one. First print cover a key Netflix series coming soon. Isn't that funny? <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. Oh, um, uh, Jason, what, what I can do actually is send you the link from Ke- the Kelly Jones interviews to your assistant. And I'll, and I'll tell you if you want to watch them, you're more than, I'll listen to them. You're more than welcome to. I would love it. Thank you. Yeah, no worries. And so just to go back to your Philadelphia for a second, I saw some, at least what I thought was extremely cool. I don't know as someone who is as um, successful as you, if this registers or not, but I saw that Chris Rock, and Jordan Peele commented on Philadelphia about how great it was. Did, did you see those um, responses? I did. How did that feel? <laughs> and Jordan Peele be like, your comic book is awesome. <laughs> well, it is awesome. So they were right. But no, I, um... <laughs> no, I was thrilled. I, it was both, I think it was kind of weird seeing the names because it was things Names not typically in comic books being printed on my comic book. Right. <laughs> like, like Chris Rock. Huh. That's the one that I would, I think I would have freaked out that Chris Rock knows my work and likes it. I think I would have been like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Because <laughs> I always think of that. You ever see that movie, I'm going to get you, sucker? Way back in the early 90s. And Chris Rock was yes. on it. And he does the whole thing where he's got, he goes into the, uh, the rib place. He's like, how much can I get for just one rib? Just one rib. <laughs> <laughs> and I lose it. And every time I see his face, that's all I think of is that scene. And he pulls out that wad of like $2,000 and hundreds. He got changed for a hundred and he only wants one rib. Oh my God. I think that would have blown me away though. Having him say how much he enjoyed my work. I, 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 I think I'd die. <laughs> it was nuts. It was, yeah. Um, Surreal, huh? Yeah. Sorry, oh, yeah, none of that stuff makes sense to me. The the <laughs> how how I like Philadelphia started, you know, kind of started off with a bang, and so it was neat. <laughs> I mean, you still do you still fanboy about this stuff? I mean, it's, you've been so successful, and you've been award winning. You know, you've had your artwork in galleries, like Smithsonian. Do you still geek out about these things so much that you still feel? like you did when you first started in the industry when someone praises you're like oh my god i can't believe i got that or over time do you feel like you kind of gotten kind of like not numb but you kind of just you know accepted that you know you are that guy now (laughs) no praise you're that guy jason (laughs) (laughs) oh that's hilarious Uh, i i i may not get as exasperated or something as i used to but but when I see someone commenting or responding or tweeting and or something like that, you know, that, that I absolutely look up to or respect. Absolutely. It gives me like, you know, the, yeah, I'm never going to pronounce it right. The guy who drew death, Chris Pichalo. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. I can't pronounce it right. I can't pronounce nothing right. <laughs> <laughs> I figure I'll just preface it that way. Uh, every once in a while, he'll retweet or, or comment on a thing uh, that I've posted and and his shade, the changing man, was so important to me that I just, I'll still be like, ah, badass. <laughs> that is cool. 
Now, here's a question. Do you get more excited seeing your comic books on the comic book rack or seeing your art in the gallery at this point? Oh, that's kind of an interesting question. Oh, man, uh, both. There's an absolute love each time I see it. One, displayed. But two, I, you know, I love the, the freedom and the versatility of fine art and getting to really express yourself in a way that's not literal that you can just kind of go nuts and there it is what what came first uh, and to see that display what came but, first for you but, fine uh, art or comics yeah and then how do you go about marketing yourself in fine art it's i mean there's a lot of schmoozing it's yeah a lot of who you know <laughs> yeah well because <laughs> i have a very good friend her name is molly dilworth and she does a lot of art shows she's an amazing artist and google actually hired her to do the face of do the tops of Times Square. So she did a whole aquatic theme and she does a lot of, of I, don't, I, don't, I don't have, I don't know fine art. You know what I mean? I don't know the lingo. I don't understand how to, ex, you know, when you're looking at something, I'm not gonna be able to tell you anything about it except for if I think it looks cool or not. You know what I mean? But she right. does a lot of lines, a lot of color. It's, it feels very modern than, than say, you know, a painting of a picture of somebody, right? Hers is always yeah. very esoteric in a, in a lot of ways. And she did this like aquatic style theme and Google actually hired her to go to the top of buildings, Times Square, the whole thing, and basically create this aquatic theme thing. So when the Google satellite went over, they saw Molly's artwork on all of the buildings for this. Wow. Like, yeah, for like this half mile square radius. It was crazy huge and everything. And she started here in Seattle. I met her when she w- was going to the University of Washington, getting an arts degree. And then she finished there and then she got her master's out of NYU. But when she was here, she all what she always did was, like you said, a lot of schmoozing of who you know. She would go and rent restaurants out for the night, you know, or we had a couple friends that had small like winery, like wine tasting venues in downtown. And especially in Capitol Hill, this is in the late nineties where it was still cheap enough that you could do that right now, because like now everything is so astronomical there. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's kind of sad. The arts, the, the gay population, and it's just no better way to put it. And the arts have been pushed out of Capitol Hill. And it used to be, you'd go there and have a great time and see tons of people. And that's where like Pearl Jam and, and Soundgarden and all these amazing musicians came out of. And now all, and because it was cheap to live there, but you were still like right next to downtown Seattle. But now like all the yuppies and the Amazons and the Microsoft have moved in and they all wanted to be where all these, you know, where all this stuff happened and they've raised the rates so much, you know, a studio apartment in 1997 went for like, six hundred dollars that same studio apartment is going for like forty five hundred now and it's like the amount of time compared to inflation doesn't match you know what i mean but she would go and she would rent these places out and then she would put all of her art she'd work for a year and a half creating all these different art pieces and then she put them in and she'd sell out almost every single time it was crazy and she was still in school doing that you know and that's how she yeah she that's how she made it and so my so that she's the only person i know that is in the fine art realm and has done the things that i think are interesting but i haven't really met anybody who quite did it the way she did it you know and so i'm always right. curious when i do get a chance to talk to somebody like you that has gone on a different level you know how did you even get into that and and you know do you have any advice because we've talked to other artists that go i would like 
J.H. Williams III. Do you know him? Do you know his work? Yeah. He yeah. wants to get into fine art. He was on our, our uh, show just last week. His episode hasn't come out yet, but him and I were having a conversation and we talked about that. He would love to get into it. How to get into it is the hurdle. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it's, it really is. It was, it was schmoozing. It was group shows and, yeah. and trying to get your leg up that way. And yeah, inevitably, I, you know, I wound up getting, you know, what, someone bought a painting from a show and that person owned a gallery and their gallery picked me up and they're, and I was fortunate then at that point because they would then push and promote my work no, and, awesome. and raise the prices and handle stuff. So, so really at some point you're, uh, unless you're just going to like, you know, rent out restaurants, yeah. things like that, like uh, you want, you know, that gallery that is going to really invest that time into you. Yeah. What inspires you when you go to do fine art? I mean, do you, I mean, it sounds weird to say when you go to do fine art, because it, it's fine art is what you make it, right? So when you sit down to say, I want to create some gallery pieces, how, you know, where, is there a certain inspiration that comes from? Because, or do you take things from pop culture and comic books that you do today and incorporate it into them? Or do you do something wholly different? I, it's oftentimes it's in the sketchbooks. It's playing around. It's something that comes, you know, I, I would like, I need to do some paintings. Yeah. I need to do some paintings of this. And so then it just kind of goes from there. But yeah, typically, like, since I've kind of put that part on hold for a little while. Yeah. And really focused on comics for the last couple of years. Which is um, awesome. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, comics is such a weird medium because, you know, when you're a fan of comic books, especially once you're, if you're an adult fan of comic books, that means you've been a fan your whole life and you're going to continue to be a fan. And sometimes the movies that are coming out, you would think would really bolster comic books. And it really hasn't, you know, not the way you think it would have, you know? Right. And so having people of your caliber wanting to be in comic books, loving comic books is a big deal because to me, comic art is fine art. You know what I mean? I, I feel that stuff beyond just like, I know Amazing Fantasies 15, the original work that Ditko did you know, those are preserved in this, in the, not the Smithsonian, but the, what do you call it? They're, the government is preserving them, right? So someone says they're, yeah. they're, they got the lover of Congress. Yeah. Thank you. And I feel like there should be more yeah. in there for certain things. And, and it's, and there's certain styles now, uh, certain, especially from different decades that are iconic, like Spider-Man 300. That's an iconic cover that will, yeah. you know, People know as soon as you see it, now you see somebody just mimicking the body language on a cover and you're like, oh, you're, you still yeah. think Spider-Man 300. <laughs> it's interesting. No, it's true. And I, and that's the thing. Like it was, I still, people, you know, other artists will ask like, dude, you show in galleries, you know, this is, this is at conventions and they're like, why the fuck did you come back to comics? <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love it. <laughs> And one, I want to tell them, like, oh, you obviously never tried to, you know, work in fine art because <laughs> it's just as infuriating. Um, Is it cutthroat? On, on a lot of levels. It's just that level of, uh, it's just a lot. It's a, there's a lot. Of, okay, let me ask you this. Every industry has its, has its cons. Yeah. And, you know, that's it. But there's just something absolutely amazing about, I think I just have a narrative nature in my art or whatever yeah. that I always, 
I love telling stories. I love telling stories visually. Yeah. Comics just, man, it really fucking does it. Like I'm enjoying like occasionally painting for another gallery show sometime in the future. Right. But I just, yeah, I like going page by page making comics. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. I thought that, you know, I love talking. Right. And I love telling stories and little snippets and then go in, you know, and go into the things I like building, you know, you, you want to build that, the stuff around it. So that, like, there's a complete understanding. And plus, you know, I, you know what my, one of my favorite movies is uh big fish with, Oh God, who's the Tim Burton one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and the way Albert Finney is, is lying, but not lying throughout the whole thing and telling a story and those are my favorite people, the people that can tell a story and go through and, and make you smile at the end of it. And I think comic books and comic book art has that ability that not every, like I can watch a movie and be like, yeah, take it or leave it. But when I find a comic book that I really love, uh, every there's so much that goes into it. I just, I don't know. My heart goes out to it. Yeah. Unlike cinema, like it forces you to pay attention. You can always look yeah. away, you know, in cinema, but in, you're not going to move forward unless right. you're looking at it. Right. Right. <laughs> Thank comic. you. Yes. That's the analogy I'm looking for. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I have, so here, here's a question for you, you know, though. So hopefully every little nuance is, is taken in, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. At least when, that's what we hope. Here's what I always wanted to know. <laughs> when you watch TV, you watch movies, they always show, the art gallery curator to be this snobbish, pretentious douchebag. <laughs> How true is that in life? Uh, about 50, 50. Really? <laughs> I always figured it was like this. They can't be this. Like they can't be like this. Who would want to buy a painting some, from this, this person? I'll give it probably more of a 70, 30 on the, the 30 for the douchebags. Oh, uh, wow, okay. I said most curators have been, fairly kind and down to earth individuals. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I figured. Cause it's like, I, we meet, we talk to so many people, especially in the art world. I don't, we haven't really met very, I mean, there's been some that are some, you know what I'm saying? But (laughs) (laughs) more often than not, the, the most genuine, nicest people you'll meet. So it's just kind of, yeah, it's kind of funny. Sorry, Jeff, go ahead. Yeah. And the painters I know were, you know, we were all just building our own, you know, when I was with this, my previous gallery, there was a few of us, me and Kent Williams and another painter, Robin Ely. We were all pushing our own work, but it was just, yeah, we were all just hanging out and, and just, yeah. It's, it's fun to watch the movies. It's very poetic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I always, I teach English high school, okay? Most of writing. And I always had a, had a theory, and when I always teach it when I, and express it when I do my writing and teach writing, is that to be a good writer, let's say you want to be a comic writer or a novelist or a poet, you need to do all of it or practice all of it to be good at any of it because it's all kind of intertwined and there's always something in another genre or medium that helps you become better in the others. Now, I assume the same is true in art. So does being a gallery fine artist, how did that make you a better comic book artist? And how does a comic book artist Make you a better gallery artist. That's a tough one. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's a toughie. No uh, it's easier to answer the former. I when I bring in my the fine art, it's bringing in, I would say, mediums and textures that typical comic readers don't normally see, 
And so one, you kind of get to elevate the look of something like, oh, this is something different. Like the page itself is art as opposed to just scene by scene. But that said, I don't know. There's a lot of the same compositions. There's a lot of the choices that I would make in fine artworks that I'll choose for pages and things like that. It just kind of has a different aesthetic to it. Yeah. Comic wise to fine art, it's funny. I've always worked both tandemly. I like, I would draw comics. I would draw a mini series of something and then be like, all right, I've got to paint. I just inside, I need to paint and then I'll paint a show. And then when I've done that, I'm like, I really miss drawing comics. And I would just jump back to the other. And I would bring this kind of, you know, what? when I just, when I'm looking and, and working in comics for too long without painting or without being exposed to that world, I tend to start kind of, I don't know, uh, uh, getting tighter, getting a little bit more stricter with my life, almost becoming more comic booky <laughs> in a way. <laughs> and it's fine. There's just guys that do that stuff so much better than me. And I start getting there. I'm like, but I don't even like this. What is this? And I, I realize I, I need to go back and I need to hit my sketchbook some more, or I need to paint some more because, you know, I want to bring, it, it's hard to kind of, because I still work from models for every panel. I still try to make everything as artful as I can, or as, you know, I try to put everything I have into everything. <laughs> so <laughs> is, is the art world, the fine art world, is it more critical than the comic book world? Do you think as far as looking at art and whatnot? I think it's a different kind of critic. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't, I've never seen anybody like, you know, cutting out action figures of the cooning or anything on Twitter, like <laughs> comic book. <laughs> comic book people seem to be a little more critical. I, think. <laughs> I was going to ask who's more critical. I, I bet it would be the comic book people. <laughs> um, Especially when you mess uh, with a character they love. Absolutely. You know, and that's the thing, like, with the, you know, I, there's a couple more franchise characters that I would definitely like to dabble in before, you know, I bid my farewell. But right now I'm just so into doing the creator own thing. That, and, yeah. you know, and people seem to dig, you know, what Rodney and I are putting down. So that works. So how far along are you, pl- is Philadelphia, how long is the series planned for? And being because of the TV show now, is it now, is, I mean, did you have any plans that you're going to end the series at this number, but now because of the TV show, you're going to have to extend it because of the interaction with the TV show or the expectations? Not at all. It was always intended to be ongoing. We just wanted to make, we wanted to really establish this storyline because I don't think there's much, I really don't think there's much like it in comics. Nice. And so we just wanted to stay with it. So, you know, I think the first three arcs, possibly further plotted out but yeah the intention is just to keep going i like it i like it so i got my number one coming can i send it over to you and get it signed <laughs> absolutely sweet and you could put two kenrick because i don't get rid of my comic books and so when i go get them signed i always have them personalize it because that means more to me <laughs> <laughs> i used to think that i could get like be a spectator and get all this stuff it doesn't work man i'm so you know because i just collect what i love you know what I mean? And Absolutely. so if something is good, then okay, cool. But most of the time, someone goes, oh, you want to trade that? No. <laughs> it's so hard for me to let go of any of my books. And I got a ton of them now. So I'm like, I really do need to go through and get rid of some of them. But it's hard. 
So yeah, but when it comes, I'll, I'll, I don't know how I can get it over to you. Maybe I can get your address off the air and send it over to you. Yeah, absolutely. That would be awesome. We, we can do that. Uh, I'm just gonna raise my hand and say I want one too. <laughs> <laughs> well, you gotta get, you gotta buy a book. I, I, I have the, I have Philadelphia. Oh, well, there you go then. So send them on. My entire house is literally wallpapered with autographed comic books from the uh, creators. That's funny. So I need oh, to add another awesome. one for Philadelphia. That's hilarious. That's awesome. That's, My that's awesome. She left me. So, Jason, we've been on for about an hour now. I, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on. I hope we can get you to come on again and have uh, more discussions about just comic books in general and what's going on in your life. And hopefully maybe we can get you back on when Philadelphia, actually, if we can get that DVD commentary, like we mentioned earlier, that would be amazing. Only if you're able to though, don't feel obligated because I'm asking you why we're recording. I'm like, seriously, don't, you know what I mean? You can tell me to fuck off anytime you want. <laughs> I, I will not take offense because i get it but we would love to have you come back on sometime you are a hoot to talk with man oh absolutely cool yeah just edit out all the stupid stuff and then we're good oh no we're leaving it all in no i'm kidding we're oh, gonna Jesus. totally edit out the 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 bad stuff you know <laughs> yeah. i'm gonna replace every time you said fuck i'm gonna have i'm gonna edit in rodney Oh, that Rodney off. And <laughs> I told him to Rodney off. <laughs> oh my God. That'd be kind of funny. Like actually. Slang. <laughs> right. It does sound a little eighties. That's tubular. That's just radical. So, all right, man. Well, all right, thanks guys. Thank you so much for coming on. Hey, before you go, do you mind giving us a bumper? Say I'm, I'm Jason Alexander, you know, artist on Philadelphia, and you're listening to spoiler country. If you're not comfortable doing that's okay too. Cool. Yeah. Anytime you want, we're ready. Uh, okay. Uh, hey, this is Jason Sean Alexander and I am the artist on Philadelphia and you are listening to spoiler country. Nice. Hey, I got to ask you before you go and I'm, I'm not going to put this on the show. How much shit do you get for your name with Seinfeld? Uh, Less now. Oh, that's good. I, it is his fault that I had to start going by all three names. Yeah. Well, I was, I could uh, imagine because Jeff goes, Hey, Jason Alexander's coming on. And of course the first thing you think of, I was in the pool. I was in the pool. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I was like, no way. And he's like, no, the artist on spawn. I'm like, Oh, cool. You know, right on. <laughs> and so I had to ask, you know, I didn't want to ask you like in the middle of the interview and have you go, what a dick. I can't believe you asked me that. But I, I just was like, man, I, I had to know. Did you, do you get, you know, I could imagine uh, in the nineties that it was just ridiculous. There were, I would get older women to show up at shows that had copies of Duckman. No. Because they legit thought that this small town in Tennessee got Jason Alexander <laughs> to show up. <laughs> <laughs> and instead, they would see my like green mohawk ass sitting there like, hey, Oh my God. What, it was, what was the look on their face when they saw that? When they saw they were you? disappointed. Oh. <laughs> That's, that's so. Did they you start laughing, or did you like, or did you know as soon as you saw them, you're like, oh, I know what that's about. I did. I'm like, oh no, it's me. <laughs> it's me. Do you? Are you doing any cons when they come back? Do you do cons when they come uh, back? As a matter of fact, no. I'm not no. sure. <laughs> you're not sure. <laughs> but 
But because the San Diego one, I'm doing an online thing next weekend. Right. For Read Pop uh, or for San no, Diego Comic-Con? For me. Oh, um, well, dude, let's talk about it right now real quick because we can insert that in and then we can do an excerpt on all of our social media and our website to tell people about it. Is awesome. that cool? Yeah. So so I want to set it up. Uh, so, so Jason, you have a San Diego Comic-Con thing coming up next week. Why don't you tell us all about it? I do. It's called Comic On, and I'm doing four days of online live streaming through YouTube the same weekend that San Diego was supposed to be. Yeah. So next next Thursday through Sunday, I will be doing portfolio reviews online or uh, live. I will be doing art demos live and panel discussions. And so all of these, the schedule and everything is up on my website, which is studiojsa.com. I can just go into news and that has all of the information. Perfect. But uh, yeah, we're going to have guys like Rodney and my friend Sherard, who has a web comic called Darby that has a ton of followers. And uh, yeah, then I'm going to, you know, probably rip people to shreds nice. you know, on, on, on <laughs> portfolio reviews on YouTube. <laughs> nice. I love it. You should. <laughs> and so, yeah. So we're getting, like I'm taking commissions and all this other stuff. I'm basically just trying to make it like a booth. Yeah. For four hours a day, I'll be doing live stuff on different, you know. Oh, and, wow. Uh, and then at the end, it'll end Sunday night with a, a live Q&A fireside single malt chat. Oh, I love it. That is cool. <laughs> right on. Yeah, we'll get that out ASAP because that's cool. I'll, we'll, I'll try to get it out uh, by tomorrow and get it awesome. plastered on our social media. And our social media presence isn't the best, but our website is kicking it. So we get fifty to nice. sixty thousand visitors a month on our website. So we'll, you know, we'll definitely get it across on that. And then, and we reach about two thousand people a, uh, a week on Facebook. Not a lot, but it's growing. You know what I mean? So it's good. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, that's- we're trying. I, I have I have dreams of of quitting my day job, but you know, the likelihood is <laughs> probably not. But you know, I can really dream. And It'll I, happen, I, man. That's what It'll I want to do. Yeah, dude. This is. I have so much fun talking with you you know, and people of your ilk than I do doing like, cause I do program management and it's like the oh. most boring job in the world. You know, I have like 30 oh. employees that report to me and you know, there's like 70 projects and it can be challenging at times, but it's only challenging because somebody was an idiot and didn't plan right. You know what I, you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like, man, this is really boring. This is a lot of fun. We have a ton of fun doing this. And we're and, uh, Johnny, my co-host, who couldn't make it tonight, actually, we're creating a comic book right now. And Jeff just released a comic book called Malik the Reigning Devil. And Nice. Yeah. So we're all Thank trying you. to do some different things, and it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And so we'd rather be oh, working yeah. on this and building our website than working for somebody else. You know, and I think that's Absolutely. one of the things that it's always cool when we meet people like, you know, especially when you guys are doing stuff for Image and it's creator owned. It's, it's amazing. It's yeah, amazing. Oh, working for other people. Did you say you're taking commissions? I think there's only one left. Oh, uh, okay. I was going to say we should do your price list. We can throw that in. So people if want to go to jsastudios.com and check out your commissions. Then when we can maybe push that out. But if you only got one uh, left, no, I imagine I mean, it's going to go fast. We've been fortunate with that one. I, I put out the list. So it's all on, like, we're going to re relaunch or re repost everything on Twitter and everything tomorrow. Oh, good. But, but yeah, for fans that are artists, 
I still have Saturday and Sunday open for portfolio reviews. Oh man. That's and they're free. I'm not charging for any of those. Some of this stuff is free streaming live on YouTube. Are you blunt on the portfolio reviews? Or do you try oh, to yeah. keep them? Eh, I don't want to hurt their feelings too bad. Or do you like, dude, you need to find a new job. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think if you like tell people you need to find a new job, dude, your views would probably skyrocket. <laughs> who, who do we had? Is it? We'll see what happens. Who was the guy? Who's a really well-known curmudgeon? It's Harold Shaken, Harvey Shaken. Oh, I hate that. Guy. <laughs> What's his name, Jeff? Oh, Howard Shaken. Yeah. Howard Shaken. Yeah. Yeah. You know what he did for? Uh, it's funny because I only know the story because I just talked to him to, to J H Williams. He went and he's a huge Shaken fan, right? And he went to this Comic Con. I think it was WonderCon actually in L A. And said, "Hey, can you look at my stuff?" Because his buddy had told him, you need to go. He, he looked at your stuff, said he liked it. He, he told you to come. And Howard told him, no, nah, you don't want me looking at your stuff, dude. I'm going to be really mean. You don't want me. He goes, no, I really want you to look at it. And he starts looking at it. And he goes, this sucks. This is okay. This sucks. This sucks. But then J.H. is really well known for the weirdness that he does, right? He's got a very yeah. different type of eye. And he goes, well, why'd you do this? And he had answers for reasons that he did the weird stuff. And Shaken was like, he loved his, he loved his answers and grabbed him, took him over to the DC booth. And then he yelled at the DC booth at the top of his lungs in a crowded room that DC needs to hire this kid and that he's ready to go. Why is he not working? And then he said it took him another 80 phone calls to DC after that whole thing, after getting introduced by Shaken for it to, uh, to actually anything to actually happen. It's not nuts. It's so weird, man, That's how people break story. it. Yeah, it's weird. I could tell you some other ones from people sometime. Like Jerry Ordway's story is phenomenal. And yeah, so. All right, I could talk for hours. Jason, I better let you go. I'm going to talk your ear off. Thanks for having me again. Man. No, man, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Seriously, I hope you want to come back. All right, talk later. Thanks, Jason. I'm back. Steve the robot here, you know the guy who types out all the transcripts on the website. What? You didn't know that over on spoilerverse.com you can read a transcript of almost every spoiler country episode typed out by me. Oh man, I feel like this work they've been making me do is all in vain. Anyway, thank you so much to Jason for coming on the show and chatting with Kenrick and Jeff, I know they appreciated it. If you want to hear more interviews those jokers have done go to spoilerverse.com and check out the whole back catalog as Kenrick says. While you are there read some articles, leave some comments, read some transcripts I have done and tell me how great they are. I'm doing my best really. And with that, that's a show. There's only one last thing to do. In an ocean of podcasts. We are full blue. And as Thulva compels you to do, open the mind and read more.
robot, see the robot, or is that just an inside joke for me? 